Hey, Jonathan here. Today I'd like to share an episode of The Business of Authority, which is a show I co-host with Rochelle Moulton. This particular episode is a good fit for Ditching Hours, so I thought I'd do a cross-post, and I hope you enjoy it. If you'd like to subscribe to The Business of Authority, you can head on over to thebusinessofauthority.com. All right, on with the show. Hello, and welcome to The Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today... We're going to remind you that relationships rule the world. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I can't wait to do this one, Jonathan. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> perhaps pent up anticipation. This has been one of those ideas banging around for a few weeks. So It's taken me that long to convince you that we should talk about this. So I don't want to talk I, about relationships. Relationship. <laughs> but you're doing a podcast with a woman, so guess what? <laughs> you we have, have to. We have to talk. Yes. Awesome. Well, I certainly, I don't want it to come across like I don't agree with this. I 100% agree with this. And I often find myself, perhaps because I uh, have a lot of software developers in my audience, explaining to people that if you want to be a consultant, it means you're going to be talking to people. And that means relationships. It's key. It's critical. You're in a service business. And if you just want to stay in your basement and make art or video games or write books, that's cool. But that's not service business, and perhaps you can get along in life without some connections. But uh, you know, if you're if you're going to be a consultant, uh, it means connecting with people. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it does, but it. I mean, introverts can be really good consultants too. It's not like you have to connect with everybody. It's that you have to connect with the right people and work a little bit at developing the relationships with the people who are going to influence your world. Hundred percent. So, how does that manifest itself for for you or for your clients? Oh, I'd almost rather talk about my clients than than me because I, I I feel like I'm still a work in progress with this. And I love relationships; they're interesting to me. They can be deep, and they can also be like crazy. I guess a couple different different ways to look at it. For me, I tend to have fewer deeper relationships when I look at my client base. So they might come to me all sorts of different ways, but it's usually. Oh, I I would say less than a quarter of the time is actually a referral. The rest of the time, they've stumbled over me. They've maybe signed up for my email list or connected with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. And I find that they read my stuff for a while. So the relationship, I'm going to argue it's not really two ways. I'm giving them information. They're taking it in. And then at some point, they'll reach out in some way. And it might just be an email snippet. They might react to something I'd written I think of it as starting to develop a relationship because they they are reading stuff so they know who I am, you know, who you are, you the listener, and then they start to interact with you a little bit. And I have have had people who've interacted with me for the whole time I've been doing things online and have never bought a single thing from me and I'm fine with that. And then there are people who have been in my on my list for, you know, a few months and then all of a sudden they just appear and they start talking about something and they hire me to do something or they, they buy something. The challenge is how do you maintain those relationships going forward? For me, that's it. I mean, starting the relationship is easy because they read your stuff. They, they like your point of view or they're not going to subscribe, right? They're interested in it and they want to know how it applies to them. What do they do? So by starting a relationship, by listening, by I try to give 
and in terms of give, I mean some sort of advice or little snippets of something, you start to have a give and take. And and a lot of times what happens in my experience is the other person starts to feel a little bit vulnerable in a good way, and they tell you a little bit more. And they tell you a little bit more. And so you're building trust, and I'm using online examples versus in, in real person or in real life. But it's it's that slow development of trust. And sometimes, I said slow, sometimes it happens really fast. Somebody just reads something and snap, that's it. They're in your world. They're 100% connected. They want to get to know you better. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes there's a instant affinity where it's just obvious that you're like, wow, this other person who I've never heard of has a similar body of work. And you're like, whoa, you know, <laughs> we have to talk. So it was like, you know, I can think of a few people like that. Chris Doe, when I first came across Chris Doe, I was like, oh, brother from another mother. Like this, <laughs> we, it's wild. It's wild. And, and you and I and Blair ends, there are a bunch of them where it's all of a sudden you stumble across this person and it's all like two people walked into the same room from different doors with the same look on their face. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, how do we get here? Like, how'd you get here? I don't know. How'd you get here? And it's like, it's weird. But that doesn't happen that often. That's, that's pretty rare. But the point that you made about putting yourself out there and developing, I usually refer to it as asymmetric intimacy with someone who is maybe putting out a podcast every week or sending out an email newsletter every day. You're putting yourself out there so much and people have a chance to sort of, in sort of a safe, let's say safe way, they can kind of sniff you out and be like, eh, I don't know if I like this person. Like, oh, this is starting to click. Oh, this person really is touching on things in my head that I didn't even know were there. And then it starts to create trust. And then maybe they'll reach back out. It becomes symmetric, real time interaction or near, near real time. That's, I think, the slowest version of relationship building that um, exists in my kind of little world. It's that like constantly putting out content, hoping that it's going to help people, hoping that it's good enough to for them to share it with other people and kind of spread the message organically and uh, create awareness and, and that sort of thing. But there's, I think, a little bit scarier type of relationship building <laughs> For a lot of people. Well, we, st we started with the low touch. Yeah, that is right? the most yeah. possible low touch. People that, like folks I work with who are just allergic to any kind of outreach or, you know, anything like that, they're still totally fine with like blogging every day. They feel like that's not interrupting anyone, that's not bothering anybody. But I, I do take it a step further and I can give you a couple of examples. So I like to connect with especially on LinkedIn, less so on Twitter. It depends on the, on, the, on the social network, but online, I'm pretty promiscuous on LinkedIn. <laughs> I, I like to be connected with interesting people on LinkedIn. And I don't even need to have a reason. Like, this person seems interesting. I'm just going to send a connection request. And when people connect with me, when they accept the connection request, I'll just say, thanks for connecting and just leave it at that. I, I don't want to come, you know, because it's, a lot of times when you connect with someone, they instantly paste in like five paragraphs of how their SEO services would be perfect for my website. And immediately I'm just like, no, thanks, not interested. I'll keep you in mind or whatever. But I'll just be like, hey, thanks for connecting. I hope you're doing well, that kind of a thing. And then if they reply to that, then I know that they're like, oh, they're active in LinkedIn 
messaging. So like they use LinkedIn, they do respond to messages and I'll ask them something that is interesting, you know, like, so their profile, there was something interesting about their profile. Recently, there's this guy who worked for Mad Magazine. How cool is that? I was like, man, it must be so cool working for Mad Magazine. I don't know how old you are, but when I was a little kid, that was like, that was the thing, you know, what me worry and all that dating myself, but doing little things like that and then creating a connection. The thing about relationships is like, there's a network effect with people where that sort of six degrees of Kevin Bacon, where if I'm connected, I'm connected with like 3,500 people on LinkedIn and each of them is connected with say, most people have 500 or more connections on LinkedIn. It seems like when I go through there, it seems like most people have 500 plus. So I can't do the math in my head, but 3,500 times 500 is like one level away from me is like a gazillion people. <laughs> LinkedIn actually, you can look it up on LinkedIn. They'll tell you how many in your first and second level Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, they'll do the math. Yeah, because I'm sure there's some overlap. So like someone, someone two, two different people might have 450 connections in common. But regardless... Whenever I do an experiment like this with my list or in like the pricing seminar or whatever, I'll have people say, do this thing called the introduction game. I won't go into it now, but, but the idea is you reach out to your close circle, people who absolutely trust you. They know you're not a spammer. They know you're a good person. They know you do a good job, all that stuff, all those people. And you say, Hey, does anybody know uh, somebody who owns thoroughbred horses was one example, or does anybody know someone who owns a knitting store? or whatever, just like a random thing that you'd think nobody would know somebody who owns thoroughbred horses. And people know a lot of people and it's amazing. And a whole bunch of people come back and be like, yeah, why? And you're like, oh, well, I'm interested in this. I'd like to talk to them about X or I'm thinking about starting a podcast about digital systems for people who own thoroughbred horses, whatever. But you've got some interest, you've got some connection. You just want to like uh, either talk to these people, maybe do some market research, maybe bounce some ideas off them, maybe validate some idea. And you've got this trusted person in between you and all of these, this person who owns a horse who will make an introduction. And almost certainly you're going to end up on the phone or, or having an email thread or whatever. It's almost magic because you're like, when, I, when I'm trying to encourage someone to do this, to just connect with people that are interesting, just do it. And be interested and just sort of expand the number of interesting people in your life. And it's like, yeah, well, but how's that going to help me? Or like, what's the bottom line? Or what's the return? How long do I have to do this for? You know, stuff like that. Wrong questions. I'm, right. I'm like, you're in the service business. You need to have relationships with people if you want it to work. And the more people that trust you, the better it's going to be for you. But I can't, I'm not going to give you numbers on that because you're thinking about it the wrong way. Just trust like, it's like a karma thing. It's like, just trust that this is a good thing to do and go do it. And it doesn't have to be like everybody in the whole world. It, it could be something hyper-specific, self-published authors, people who have created their own tabletop games. Like I can think of all these, I have a list of people who have done all of these really weird niche things. It seems interesting to me. Maybe I'm just interested in people. I don't consider myself an extrovert, but I do find people interesting. Connecting with them is cool. And if, if, if you really need some sort of um, business case made for this, if you show up wearing a t-shirt that says, I help X with Y, you know, it's sort of, if you've got a really clear positioning statement, this is what I do. This is how I help people. And you're not talking about it. You're not pushing it, but you're wearing a t-shirt that says it when you show up at the cocktail party, 
not that I wear t-shirts to a cocktail party, but <laughs> bad metaphor. <laughs> but if you if you just like interest and you're talking about horses with somebody and they're like, hey, I noticed you're, on your t-shirt, it says that you help self-published authors create beautiful book covers or something like that. Because I know somebody that does that and it would be, you know, maybe you guys should meet, you know, maybe I should introduce you. Yeah, sure. That'd be great if you think it'd be a good, good fit. But it's almost magic. The network effect of they told two people and they told, or they told two friends and they told two friends and they told two friends <laughs> or seventies references. It's magic. It's, there's just no other word for it. it. You can't, your brain can't conceive of how much reach it's unbelievable. Well, he- here, here's the thing, though, because I, I totally agree with everything you just said. And I would just add to that that part of your relationship building process has to fit with what you like, what what you love to do. So what Jonathan just, just described works for a whole lot of people who are interested in things and interested in people and collect, if you will, people from different backgrounds and different sort of cool or weird or just deeply interesting backgrounds, right? So you have to find the right blend for you. Being interested, that's one of the first things I learned in kind of consulting new business 101 was being interested and asking questions and finding out about people. I mean, it's fascinating. But if that's not your thing, then you've got to find another angle because literally finding people on LinkedIn who could be your clients and knocking on their door saying, hi, may not work for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain, there is a certain trust. There's a leap of faith of like, well, if I'm connected with more people, it's more likely that I'm going to, through those connections, be connected with the kind of people who I want to help. So yeah. When I get connection requests from people that I don't know, um, I pretty much always accept unless there's like it's obvious they're doing something really weird and spammy or I'll, I'll unfollow them if they start doing spammy things. But most people are just like trying to figure things out. So I will automatically respond if I accept a connection request and I will say I will I will drop the hint about where to find my stuff because I think they should know that and feel like they reached out to me for a reason. And then I say something along the lines of, I'm looking forward to hearing more about you and your work. So I give them an opening to tell me more. And I, I like it that way because that's how I work with people. That's how I want to know about you. And a surprising number of people will actually tell me. I love it. I love it. It's been the start of some great relationships. Yeah. Just to focus on LinkedIn for a second, because, you know, it's business network. It's it has a particular dynamic to it that I think is interesting. It's sort of halfway in between Facebook and Twitter in terms of the the way the relationships work. I know a lot of people will be shocked to hear that I'll send out these connection requests to people that I find interesting or whatever, and then they'll accept. Then I'll say thanks for connecting. Then they'll say you too or ditto or likewise or whatever. I'll get into a conversation with like the other day it was like an SVP at NBC Universal. And like, we're just chatting about like, whatever. It was a private conversation. I don't want to talk about it. But the point is, it's surprising to a lot of people, sometimes even me, that air quotes, important people or busy people, if you're engaging with them in a way that is a, this is sort of vague, but in a way that's appropriate, which is to say, short, direct, but friendly, don't give somebody a book to read. But just like, oh, wow, it's just like conversational, like you would at a party. Just like, oh, 
you just happen to be sitting next to each other at a wedding. We're at the at the at the reception. We're sitting next to each other. Oh, what do you do? Oh no, that's oh that's interesting. I have a friend that used to do that. Where are you now? Oh, cool. And you just kind of have that conversation. People do that. I mean, it, it sounds probably surprising to a lot of people, but on LinkedIn, people will do that, even though it's business. You can just kind of socialize. I mean, after all, it is a social network. And will something come of that? I don't know. But I believe that long term, in the long long game, yes, that'll be beneficial. But you're enjoying it when you're doing it. Do I have a hidden agenda? Other than I believe that it's a good thing to do. No, not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that's to me, that's what makes the difference is that whatever we do for relationship building, it has to feel natural. It has to fit with who we are, how we interact with people, because otherwise there's going to be this false note that doesn't quite fit. Like if you did all of that and then you said, well, let me tell you about the service I have. I want it. I must have a call. All of a sudden it's broken. And and I pretty much could guarantee that person's not going to get back to you. But that person might also initiate a conversation or an introduction to somebody where you could help them. And that's great if that happens, but you don't go in with that intent that it will happen. Right. Yeah, when I'm coaching people on this, they always want to rush to the like, oh, nice to meet you. What should we name our kids? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's too, it's like, come on, you know, pump the brakes. And a suggestion that helps them when they're trying to develop this muscle is to imagine that anybody that you connect with and initiate a conversation, not allowed to be a client, like not allowed to sell them anything. They are not allowed to hire you, but they might introduce you to someone and that's okay but you're not allowed to work with anybody where you initiate the conversation. If you think of it, and yes, you know, theoretically, they might force force it on you. Be like, no, seriously, we really want to hire you. Okay. <laughs> but if you think of it like that, you don't hit that bad note. You don't stick your foot in your mouth. It's like exactly like if you're at the kid's birthday party or at the table at a wedding reception, you're not selling to the people around you. I hope not. No. That, yeah. Then, well, <laughs> right. Then, then you're that guy. Exactly. A couple of other examples that have come up lately, not to get too tactical, but um, examples of uh, something a little bit more proactive that I think a lot of people would be comfortable with if they thought of it. So a couple days ago, there was an article published in, uh, I think it was the New York Times or it might have been New York Magazine. A dozen people sent me the link. They're like, you have to see this. And I was like, oh, interesting. And it was about, it was about the psychological effects of billing by the hour. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah. And I was I was ecstatic because the 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 person who wrote it was a, you know, writer for the paper, the magazine, whichever it was. Uh, She referenced research. You know, I've got a lot of anecdotal evidence about the bad side of hourly billing. But this person had it was referring to research papers. And I was like, oh, hello. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Scientific backing. Give it to me. So I clicked through and I found the paper. And it was written by two, I don't know if they're scientists or professors because it didn't say. And so what did I do? I emailed them. I'm like, I need to interview on my show. I just saw your paper. I love it. I gave them a teeny bit of background, but maybe it was two or three. I think it was a three sentence email where I emailed both authors of the paper. And I said, it's it's fine if you're, if you're too busy, I understand. But I would just love to interview one or both of you for maybe 45 minutes for my podcast, Ditching Hourly specifically. And both of them got back to me immediately and one of them agreed to come on and she's booked. If I'm connected with any academics, I don't know about it. 
So being connected with this person and having them come on the show is theoretically going to open up an entire new branch of types of people that I'm not currently connected with that could have all kinds of interesting, I'm trying to think of a word besides synergy, but I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, wow, maybe I'm about to find out that there's tons of research on this and I just didn't know. That could open up a whole new world, a whole new angle on my entire business. It's like super fascinating. And it's because I put a bunch of stuff out in the world that indicates a specific viewpoint. A bunch of people read this article and they immediately thought of me, which is I love. That's a great sign. They all sent me this link. I read it. I'm like, yes, this is awesome. And and then I took a step that I think a lot of people wouldn't, which is to be like, I want to talk to these people. And found their email, emailed them. And within 24 hours, have a call set up. I'm super excited about it. It's so cool. I think it's so cool. That whole, I just love that whole thing. I'm also glad when you described the process that you went back and said, well, you know, I've got this niche, right? Because that's, that's where it starts, right? You've got to know what that, that, that thing is, but then developing those people. And it would be fabulous if, if those 12 people, if some of them came about from your LinkedIn, oh, hi, you just look really interesting. Let's connect conversations. That's the power of it. And synchronicity is absolutely the word. I mean, think about that. It's that can happen. And that's that's when I laugh when people go, it was magical. Well, it, yeah, it was magical because you did all of the work, the hard, sloggy, slow work to get there. And then you did the things that other people won't do, like build relationships with people for no reason other than that they're interesting. And those are the people, because you've got this, this simpatico connection with, those are the people who remember you. you. You resonate with each other, and then you can't unsee them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's, the, that's sort of the, the pigeonhole yourself angle. From, from a business context, that was feedback to me that I have successfully pigeonholed myself in many people's minds as like the anti-hourly billing guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that worked. And for me to, for, right, you know, uh, it only took two years or however long it's been. I don't know. That's year. pretty it fast. Takes, That's pretty fast. Yeah. Relatively, relatively quickly. I just hope that's an inspiring story for someone. And they think like next time they read an article or they see that like, oh, here's an, here's another person who's, we have a shared something or they're interesting or I'm just going to like send them an email. You know, like, why not? It's it's worth it. I, it's been a long time since I did this, but I, I did an interesting party once. And the rule was you could only come. Well, first of all, I only extended invitations to people I thought were interesting and they could bring their spouse because interesting people didn't always have interesting spouses. But you could bring your spouse and <laughs> and or you could bring someone who you found interesting So I had about 40 people and it was the best party I've ever given. I mean, almost nobody knew everybody, anybody else because they were kind of esoteric connections of mine. But from that party, there was one romance. There were two or three different business ideas. There were a couple of of now, when I say lifelong, I mean, from that point forward, and that's been quite a while now, at least a decade, probably more. And that was a party where you have to be physically there and you actually have to know me. With social media, 
you can just explode that a hundred times over. I mean, you create the equivalent on Twitter, especially of these virtual rooms, these virtual cocktail parties. I love that we can do this. We can connect with anybody anywhere on anything. So do it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I love that story. I had a, a life changing, not just business changing, but life changing invitation to a Slack room uh, about three years ago. Maybe it was four, four now, where one particular person who's very interesting invited about 10 people that had a, had w- one thing in common into this particular little community. And it was just like, let's just see what happens. I am not kidding. It was life changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's incredible. I'm, I'm finding myself almost verging into cliche territory or like motivational poster territory, like Tony Robbins stuff. Like, you know, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with, stuff like that. Surround mm-hmm. yourself with interesting people. Don't, you know, stay away from people that are, that are negative and blah, blah, blah. But man, it is true. It, it's true. And if you like, the more interesting people you're connected with, I think, oof, it's, you just can't. I just keep coming back to magic. It's like magic. Magic happens. Yeah, it's in the Petri dish. I have a client (laughs) who is, um, I mean, you could argue, oh, well, he had this big important job in in his prior life and he met all these people, but he didn't meet them all in the course of this important job. I won't say more about what that was. But what he's done ever since then is he stays connected with these people and he does it in a very simple way. And this is this is a guy who I would call a rocket scientist and by that I mean you know he's data driven, you know, loves the data. Everything he does is based on data. So what he does is he basically prowls around on the internet. He's got a gazillion <laughs> Google alerts on his topic and on some names of people that that he knows and he reads their stuff. And he comments on it. And he might comment publicly, but usually what he does is he writes a private email to that person, or he even picks up the phone sometimes, depending on how they know each other. And he writes them, and it's not more than a paragraph or two at the most. And he says, saw your article on X in Y, and then makes a very pointed comment about it. That's all he'll say, but it always has a pointed comment. So the person feels heard and seen and that their viewpoint has been heard. And sometimes what he'll do is he'll say, you know, uh, if you want to explore more about that, you might want to meet so-and-so who I know, or let's have a drink and talk about it. Or maybe you'd like to come and speak to this event that I'm working on. So he's always got his fingers in a pie, and but he doesn't really spend that much time doing it. I mean, he's got the alerts come to him automatically, but then when they come, he reads the articles, which he would do anyway, right? That's part of his, his work and his expertise. And then he comments. And it's, I mean, it's, it's genius. People, he knows so many people and they think so highly of him because he takes the time to do that. The thing that you said that I want to call out is they feel seen. Anyone listening, you've probably tweeted and you're like, oh, this tweet's going to blow up. This is like the most smartest thing I've ever said. And like nobody <laughs> even clicks on it. Like no likes, no engagement. <laughs> Or you blogged for, you know, sporadically for six months and maybe got three posts out and like no comments, no shares, no nothing. How great would you feel if someone who you respected read your article and emailed you and it's just like, hey, saw your article 
X, Y, and Z. You know, like I thought it was great. Uh, what about, what did you mean by this particular thing? It's like the way you used the word productivity there seemed strange to me, but you know, uh, you just could you clarify? They clearly read it. They clearly stumbled across it. Imagine how good that would make you feel. Now, turn the tables. You've probably got, I know a lot of my listeners have just a 500 RSS feeds that they're subscribed to that they read through in their free time. And think, how many times have you emailed the author or commented or just gone in there and, and like reacted to it in a way, not just a thumbs up, that doesn't count, but like gone in there and said something like engaged, really engaged, not just this like sugar high of like thumbs ups or likes or whatever, and said, hey, I saw this. And then taking it a step further and saying, if you want, I'd, I think you'd love to meet this person. I'd like to introduce you guys. Man, that is like a gift. Yeah, that's you know? exactly right. So you want it. Why not give it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not hard. And in fact, if it's related to what you're doing, it's part of what you ought to be doing for your, your own personal development. Well, I say personal, personal career development anyway. You've got to be reading those, those things. Why not comment in a way that ties back to who you are, how you think, you know, your point of view, your brand. It's just so easy. Yeah. And it's sitting right there. It's so obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the client that I mentioned, the thing I love about the way he does it is it's not really systematic in the sense of there's no... Well, I, I get up and, and I at, at 8.30, I spend an hour doing this. I mean, it's not that. He's, he, he doesn't work that way. But it's just he's trained himself where somewhere in that day he's going to be reading and doing those pieces. And it might be, you know, that he's sitting at the dentist's office with, with a phone in 15 minutes, or it might be that he's sitting at his desk in his office. But he will do it no matter what. It's so much a part of who he is. And what's funny is he's not, he's very social, but he's, he's, he's a rocket scientist. He needs a lot of alone research time to pour over data and facts. So he's not like if, if you, if you looked in the dictionary under extrovert, you would not see his picture. Hmm. I I feel in a lot of ways, maybe not the rocket scientist part, but you described (laughs) my, the way that I approach it, where it's not like I'm super unscheduled um, I set up systems that allow me to be lazy and react because that's, it's just so much easier, but you know, it takes a little, <laughs> it takes a little bit of planning and I suppose self-awareness to be like, I am not going to do anything at, every day at 830. It's not going to happen. So, but, but you can do things like set up Google alerts or you've got your RSS feeds that you know you read in your, whatever free time you have. It's just one extra step of, you know, like, oh, what a great article. One extra step. Who do I know that needs to read this? It's just that one extra step. You could forward it to someone to be like, hey, I saw this and thought of you. Or one extra step, contact the author. Be like, hey, I saw I saw this. I thought it was great. I do have a question about X, but I, I would share this with all my friends. I'd be sharing this on Twitter, so on and so forth. It's just one extra thought of like, how can I give back it's enough for me, like in my extreme, like chaotic laziness. I, I was always, I always wanted to play chaotic neutral in uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So anybody that knows what that means tells you a lot about me. <laughs> I, you lost me at Dungeons and Dragons, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I figured, yeah. <laughs> I remember, maybe this is the same person, but I remember on a previous show, you mentioned someone who, he wakes up and is like, who can I help today? I want to help three people today. 
It was kind of him that I was thinking about earlier is that he, he it's, it's who can I help, but what he did, he was a very, very successful consultant in a big firm. And most of his job was around finding business for the firm, but he wasn't a sales guy. He was actually technically trained. He was an actuary. So imagine an actuary doing sales, but this man (laughs) was brilliant at it. And he was a mentor of mine. I I just, I can't say enough good things about him, but that was his point. And he drilled it into those of us who were trying to learn from him is you've got to look for something that's going to be helpful being relentlessly helpful. He would agree with that. He never said it that way, but that's exactly how I think of him. It's and and it wasn't just, "Oh, let me, you know, help you find daycare for your dog." I mean, it, it wasn't that kind. It was things that related to their work and to their the things that mattered to that person about their life. So, he would like go into somebody's office to meet them for the first time and he'd, he'd see behind them that there were all sorts of things about airplanes. So we know, okay, so we know this guy's really interested in planes and he might ask him a question and it turns out he's an amateur pilot. Well, he would never forget that fact. In fact, he would put it in his database and he would figure out how to be helpful to him in some way on the job, yes, but also never forgetting that he was a private pilot. So what could he possibly come up with? And there was another one who was a client and I'll never forget, he did this thing for a client who was a uh, a violinist in their spare time. And I just, I, I think I knew how he did it, but I don't remember. Somehow, or a cellist, I'm sorry, a cellist. So Yo-Yo Ma was performing. Somehow he found a way to get her backstage to meet Yo-Yo Ma. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like you would never forget that in a million years if that happened to you. It's It's finding the thing that will be valuable to the other person and doing it because you want to, because you want to help them. Yeah. It's crazy fun. I mean, how's that not fun? And it's so easy. You're like, oh, I just happen to know. You know, it's not a lot of work. Yeah. 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 And it, it is. It's fun. And let's face it, when you do favors for people, you actually usually feel better than they do. Right. Because you get all the fun of thinking about how you're going to do it. And it, and there's usually some element of surprise to it. And, and yeah, it's fun. And the other person really appreciates it. So I feel like this is turning into a life lesson. I know episode. we are sounding like those those posters, aren't we? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It's cliche, but man, is it true? It's like and anyway, I'm going to start beating the beating the horse and going over uh territory we already covered. Can you think of anything maybe tactical that we haven't covered already? I feel like we've we've talked about maybe three or four different approaches that somebody could take to start putting one foot in front of the other. Well, I'm thinking again, this is, you know, another client and she started in something that she didn't know a lot about when she began, but she wanted to become an expert and is now an authority. I mean, it's been 10 years since she started. It took a while to get there. But what she did when she first started is an hour every day, and this is a very organized, sequential person, an hour every day at the beginning, she would look for data on this issue and she would share it with people. It's, it wasn't her data. She would just find it. Sometimes she'd position it in a different way and she would spend an hour sending that on. And she kept to that 
for a while. And then an hour became 45 minutes, became a half an hour. Now it's less than 15 minutes a day because she gets the stuff automatically. She knows what other people get. It's a different process. But she said to herself, I've got to, I've got to make this a job. And for her, that meant I need to wrap some boundaries about it. I need to do it this way. And, and she also was kind of a rocket scientist type, really understood the data and the statistics and was astounded at, at this particular industry she was in that didn't really look at statistics before. So she became the statistics person for her specialty. But she didn't know any of that when she started. <laughs> so I have a couple of former students who run run mailing lists with these sort of link roundup types of formats like a weekly link roundup for a very very focused niche and virtually all of it is stuff that they didn't write like occasionally once every few months they'll have like an actual a contribution to the you know like oh here's a here's a podcast i did or here's a you know whatever but 99 percent of it is just curated links to other people's stuff, but hyper, I'm telling you, hyper focused, crazy, crazy focused, like people who make their own cutlery. I mean, super focused. And they have a consulting business on the side of that that is related, very closely related, but they're just doing these link roundup emails that um, for each link, they'll have a little commentary that shares their worldview, what's important about the article, why they think it's important, why it's worth your time to read it, or if you're in this situation, read this, otherwise ignore it. So they're, they're you know, it's a helpful little sort of librarian style metadata around each of the links. And they're, I mean, their consulting businesses are just banging. I mean, just, just huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're demonstrating it in that, in that list roundup or link roundup. Yeah, and they and the other thing is that they're gonna they have to do that anyway to keep up to date with their industry. Right, right. So why not turn it around and put it out, and give it out for free, and be helpful? And boom, it's uh, it's a great. You become the obvious person if somebody's looking for somebody who. Do you know anybody that makes their own knives, like cooking you know, for cooking? Like, uh, actually, yes. <laughs> <laughs> This guy's an expert. He sells these things. He teaches he teaches courses on how to forge your own steel and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's perhaps another approach, but I, I think that's that's even more work than simply reaching out to people who you find interesting, finding out what their interests are, and just helping them out, sharing their articles, telling them that you read their article, asking them to come on your podcast. Uh, sending their links to other people who you know might be connected, connecting other people. If it's just part of your mindset, you're going to do it by accident because you're probably reading all this stuff already. It's just take one more step and connect with either the author or someone who needs to read it when you're done. It's almost like a smoke detector. You detect like, oh, wait a second. I think I know somebody that wants to read this or I think I know this person that wrote this or I think I'd like to know this person who wrote this. It's really not hard to find people's contact information. Just hang <laughs> on and be like, yeah. this is awesome. This was great. I got to share this. Yeah. And if, if you need to really get in that mindset because it's not natural, then I would say try something like, all right, once a day, I am going to do this. And the, the I am going to is just that you're going to ask the question after you read or experience something. Who else would benefit from this? That's all. Who else would benefit from this? perfect yeah yeah 
See how easy. <laughs> See, was that was that painful, Jonathan? <laughs> I, you're the first person who I've ever heard say, uh, "Create a daily to do to, to have a thought." <laughs> <laughs> I know it's pretty pathetic, isn't it? <laughs> like, how lazy are we, right? <laughs> I need you, to have a to do to remind myself to think. <laughs> but if it's not your it's mindset, true. you know, you've got to you've got to train yourself. I, I think most of the people listening to this are naturally oriented to other people, even and that that means an introvert too. It's you still being an introvert doesn't mean you don't care. It just means that you don't get your energy from from conversations with people or a lot of interaction. But yeah, it doesn't mean you can't you can't really be a wonderful friend and build fabulous relationships. All right. Have we got anything else, do you think? Mm, I don't. All right. We've exhausted all of our <laughs> thoughts on the topic of relationships. Well, part one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, folks. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.